I am so nervous, you guys. It's been about three weeks since I've recorded and talked to you all. And there's been a lot that's been going on. There's a lot of moving parts in life right about now. And But whenever I get... I go away so long, I feel that when I come back, I have to catch you guys up on everything. And that leads me to start meandering through my speech, and and, and eventually these podcasts become unintelligible. So I'm going to do my very best to try to keep things neat and tidy. But if I do meander, just understand that uh, I'm I'm not doing it on purpose, and also, that I'm just really excited to be back and talking to you guys and whatnot. So, what's been going on again in the last three or so weeks that uh, that I've been that I've been missing from the world of podcasting? First and foremost, I don't know about when you were growing up, but I don't remember coughs being as pervasive, lasting as long, and being as dramatic as the modern coughs that kids are getting nowadays. For my two, it's been two and a half weeks of constant coughing Um, to the point that even during the nights, I've actually been sleeping on the floor next to my kids to kind of monitor their breathing to make sure that they've had so much phlegm stuck down their throat, especially when they sleep, that there's been times when they've woken up like in these heaving motions and I've had to be there with our quote unquote just in case bucket to make sure that if they throw anything up that I'm ready to catch it. I, I know it's not, it's kind of gross, but that's the reality of being a parent uh, with, with a kid that's sick uh, lately. And I know that I'm not the only one because as I've gone back to uh, talk to other you know, parents you know, lately, they're telling me that they're having similar issues. But I don't ever recall ever being a kid and having these you know, lingering coughs the way that my kids do. Now, it could be that I was incognizant of that. I was just living life, and it was my parents that had to deal with that shit. But I just don't remember being that sickly or having bouts of coughing you know, that took that long. But that drains you. The last three weeks have been, there's been a lot of nights with almost two to three hours of sleep because I'm one of those parents, and my wife is, is similar, that if the kids are not doing well, then it just puts us on edge and we cannot rest. So for her, there's been a few nights when she has had little to no rest. For me, there's been nights when there's little to no rest. On top of that, she has to go to her nine to five. You know, I have been taking care of six kids, six kids here during the spring break, a holiday, and it just sucks the life out of your marriage. It's been difficult finding intimacy during the course of the last few weeks because your mind is just not in it and you want to will yourself to do it. There's certainly a desire there to do it. I, I Every time that my wife gets up and gets ready to go to work and, and I look at her as she's uh, undressing from her pajamas and getting dressed for her to go to work, like I look at her and I am amazed at how enticing her everything is to me. Uh, so th- certainly the lust isn't gone, but when it comes to the later part of the evening and it's uh, the kids are still coughing and you know that they're going to be coughing for a while and that's going to distract you and, and you're going to keep on checking of, f- on them, it just takes your mind off of the price, for lack of a better term. And, and I will say that that has impacted 
you know, our, our usual routine, because not saying that we have any set anything on schedule, but for the most part, we know that on a given, given week, we're going to enjoy each other, you know, often enough. And lately there hasn't been, you know, there hasn't been any of that. Now, let me back, you know, backpedal a little bit or actually rewind. Prior to the sickness, we had a wonderful trip and to Pismo or the Pismo Beach area in Northern California. I posted about this on, on my Instagram. There, there's some pictures there uh, about our trip to Arroyo Grande, California, and then Pismo Beach, California. They both happen to be within the same area. But my, my wife and I had the opportunity to, uh, to give ourselves a anniversary gift slash birthday gift uh, trip to Pismo Beach, and it was just wonderful. More, more because... The drive up north, which for us is about four hours from L.A. to to that part of Northern California, it is terrific after so many years to see California be lush and be green. For some of you guys who don't, for some of you all who don't live here, during the months of January, February, even to the degree of March, we had rains after rains after rains after rains. It was it was biblical. There were some, you know, some times where for us it would go four to five days and it would rain every single day. Now, to you that might seem, well, that's normal. To us, when we have gone six, seven, maybe eight years with little to no rain, where drought conditions were bad, to the point that we we are, you know, we live on about a quarter of an acre of land and a lot of our grass, actually 90% of our, our grass is completely gone. It just was too expensive, and also it seemed wrong to water this lawn when there was no water in the state. Uh, Here in our cities, rationing was becoming a thing, and if you drove up and down California, it was so sad to see how brown the hills would look come summertime. Also, just the burn damage throughout, if you recall, Last year, I recorded about our trip to Oregon and just having to drive through the fire areas and the smoke uh, that, that filled you know entire counties of Northern California. And on our drive up there and on our drive down, just seeing that there was burned and scorched earth throughout, it really looked uh, post-apocalyptic. And, and, and you're talking six, seven hundred miles of just desolate, sad California scorching and burning. It's depressing because I adore my state. And so to now drive up and down and to see that our lakes are full and to see what the actual, what they look like at their, at the water line that they're supposed to be at versus seeing the striations on the ground where the water level had been dropping for so many years or checking out just how tall the grasses can be People have been talking about the super bloom here for the last few weeks and how amazing it is to see all of these wildflowers, just carpet, these vast swatches of of land. It's, it's amazing. It really gives you an idea for why uh, California is considered a golden state or a place where... Th- one would describe as paradise because it really is that wonderful. Uh, and so anyways, so we went to Arroyo Grande. We stayed at a great uh, Best Western there. 
which my kids absolutely love and adore. And I, I do recommend them more than anything because the places are always um, well taken care of. And uh, for my kids, best thing the, 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 you know, the, or what they look forward to is the continental breakfast. We have not been to a uh, Best Western where the, con the continental breakfast wasn't good. And for having two kids who you're getting to get ready to fuel up because you're going to be going on these long hikes, having the access to the eggs and the bacon and the sausages and, and, the, and the bagels and all of those carbs, you know, and getting them ready to go so you don't have to spend that money out of pocket later on. Uh, it's a real, it's a really good thing to have. Uh, it's part of our equation now whenever we're ready to do these trips is, okay, can we find necessarily a Best Western, although that's kind of a brand now that we're gravitating towards to, but finding a place where you're going to have a continental breakfast. It's so paramount. It just, it's, it's one less thing to think about and it's so fantastic. And for us, it's really neat now for the kids to get up and say, all right, well, mom and I, and, and I are going to get dressed. Why don't you guys go ahead and head on down, get yourself some breakfast. And, and they do. I mean, it's, it's a really cool age because now that they're getting into their teen years, um, they can do stuff on their own. And it's, it's such a relief to have that. Now, speaking of that, yes, I said teen years. This is the first time in my lifetime that I can now say that I am a father of a teenager. And... That happened about two weeks ago, and it's just kind of mind-blowing to me to think that that now there's you know a person in who's 13 and who's going to start experiencing or is experiencing all the challenges, the trials, the tribulations of those blunder years, and it's kind of exciting. And and I I'm not going to say that it's scary. I know that it's kind of a funny thing to say of like oh no the teenage years are coming here and they're going to be terrible and, and you're going to be pried apart as a family because it's good there's going to be sitcom like drama going on but you know they used to say that the terrible twos were going to be the worst and most terrible thing that you were ever going to experience you know when it came to toddlers and it was i ended up finding out through experience that they were rough yes but they weren't terrible. At least we got lucky, and I will admit that, that we, we got very lucky that we have the temperament of both our children is very, very mild, and so, in the sense of tantrums, and so we didn't experience these terrible twos that uh, would make our hair fall out. The economy sure did that for me, but it wasn't the kids. They actually were a saving grace, to the point that when I made the transition from being in full-time real estate management guy to being a stay-at-home dad, it was such a wonderful thing to take over and experience, you know, years that are fraught with, you know, or supposedly fraught with toil, to actually experience just how wonderful it is to be their dad and to be at the PTA and all the challenges and things that come from that. And I know that I bitched before on the pod about, you know, other parents and, and adults, but it, it's all relative. It's, uh, yes, I'm going to complain because maybe I'm a complainer at heart, but I know how lucky we have it and how wonderful the kids are. And, and, and other parents can be as well. My whole point of that is that those years didn't turn out to be terrible. And I don't think that the teenage years have to be as well. 
It's a matter of how of perspective in how you want to look at things. And I've come to realize that if if my kids and I, or our kids, sorry, if our kids and I have good open lines of dialogue, then we are more likely to, I hope, to be able to to, to overcome the challenges that my parents and I had, which meant that there weren't things that we should have been talking about, but we wouldn't. And so, when, and so these things built up, and whenever they did come out or we needed to discuss them, we ended up fighting about them. And, and, I, and I'll give you an example of this. My religion. I knew very early on that I was not going to be religious. Uh, whatever love, whatever feeling you're supposed to get from a deity, I never felt. I never received that. Church never instilled that in my heart. I am just not a religious person. My parents are very Catholic. They're very Mexican Catholic, which Mexicans know what that means. And so you have these two opposing points of view where I would have, they were trying to push religion. I was trying to say no to it, but we would not really discuss it. So I would go to church and act out. They would get pissed at me because I wasn't being, uh, I wasn't being, you know, respectful is not the right word, but I wasn't submitting, for lack of a better term, to the religion or to the religious thoughts. But we would not discuss it, not truly, until the point where I was about 16 or 17 years old, and I came out to my parents as having atheistic thoughts. And of course, my father blew up, my mom cried, it was a whole fucking thing. They talked to me, you know, they, they, were, they wanted to do a limpia, a cleansing, if you're, and it's a ceremony where they're going to try to drive the spirits away from you with cigarette smoke and an egg, and it's supposed to take away the demons from within your heart or soul, uh, and then you toss it away, and I'm like, that's just ridiculous. I don't, I don't need any of that hocus pocus, and it's not a bad thing. I just don't happen to be that way. Or, but of course, they were concerned about my soul and you know, whether I was going to have a morality and blah, 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 blah. It just didn't work out. And those were the kind of, and it was a, we just blew up at each other to the point that we did not discuss that. We did not talk about that. We resented each other in that sphere for many, many years. Nowadays, my dad has passed away since then, but nowadays my mom and I understand each other to the point where she knows that I, I, I don't have a belief but I, that I respect hers. And so oftentimes she will say something to the effect of, oh, well, you know, a prayer to God, or I'm going to pray on this. And I can accept that without feeling that that is an attack on me. And on the flip side, whenever we, especially when it comes to the kids, whenever we as a family have decided that, no, we are not going to do a christening, no, there's not going to be communion, my mom and I know that it's not easy for her, has learned to let it go. And, and, but we can talk about it. We can, we can discuss it. It's not one of those things that has to make the other person frustrated. It's just we've come to an understanding, and, we're, and, and all parties are okay with that. 
And in, on occasion, if we need to discuss it, we don't have to blow up at one, at one another like we used to. But that's just one topic. Moving out was something that my parents and I uh, fought over. My education, dating a white woman, getting married to a white woman, sexuality, sex, uh, any of those heavy-duty issues, we did not discuss any of that as, you know, at 13. Or, I'm sorry, uh, in my teenage years. And it, so it led for me to figure out a whole lot of shit correctly and incorrectly on my own, asking other people, looking at magazines, you know, renting dirty movies, um, reading books about other religions and, and, and what they would mean, trying to find spirituality in a different way. All of these jumbled up thoughts that I had to go out there and do it on my own. And unfortunately, what my parents saw was that in my pursuit of education, that I was leaving them behind. And that caused even more conflict. Um, anyways, again, to talk, see about what I'm saying about meandering. My point is, and, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, is that, I have, that, I, that my wife and I have always talked about being a conduit of information for our children. Uh, you know, of course, we would use age-appropriate language, but having leaving doors open for them, to, doors, windows, whatever, open, so that they could come and talk to us and discuss questions that they may have, and demystifying you know taboo subjects like sex, like drugs, um, and and other things that are heavy that come up. I it, it's. Interesting, I went to my first dispensary in California uh, this past weekend. I had to go get some stuff done for the car. We were getting new tires on the vehicle, and it was going to take about a couple of hours for uh, you know, the, the, the place where I took the car to to get, you know, to get the tires uh, replaced. And so I went for a walk, and along, the, you know, along my walk, I found a dispensary store on a main highway. Now, I have never gone to one of these places. Um, I have never done marijuana. Uh, I have never done. I, I haven't yet, you know. And see, I, it even feels weird to talk about that. Like I'm doing something, oh my gosh, that's so incredible. But anyways, or, or something so illicit. But I'm like, fuck it. You know, I'm here. I have a couple of hours to waste. Let me go check what this place is like. Uh, and I don't know if dispensaries or stores in your home state, if they have one in your state, what they are like, but I found it to be a really trippy experience. The fact that you had to go through two sets of doors, the fact that you had to get buzzed in, that I went in there, and I, you know, I'll probably take some time to explain this better on a different podcast. But my, my whole point is that I went through this experience of, of the, the nervousness of, of going into a place like that and figuring out uh, what's going on here. And so I, I came home after a long day and I was telling my wife about the story of, of, of what I went through. And, and of course, she's rolling her eyes because I know her. She would never do that, not on her own. If we were together, she would do it. She would explore something with me. But she is, although she is curious, she's not going to be curious to the point of, all right, I'm going to go check it out. If it's not a real issue or something that's super, totally interesting to her, 
she's just not going to bother. There's other shit that she's got to deal with. And that's just not, you know, a, a, a battle or a hill that she, need, uh, that she needs to overcome. But I'm just a curious person, so I do it. And, and, and it's part of the reason why our marriage works. She is, I am the pull and she is the push or vice versa. And so I have went out there, I explored it, I report back to her. And, and then we had a conversation about, okay, well, what if we were to try it? What would we try? And, and okay, now we, you've been to a place like that. Would you be comfortable returning to it? And we had this dialogue. But my whole point in telling you about, about this is that my kids were in the vicinity. And so... We just, I, I, they, they, I heard, they heard the story of my experiences going into the place, and then we talked about California and what the rules are here, in California, as we understand them. But then it led to a broader discussion about, okay, you know, what are drugs as you understand them? What are the benefits? What are the detractors? What are your mom and I comfortable with? What kind of dialogue do we want to have? Let's say that if you go to a party and there's people doing it, uh, what would be some of the scripts that you would say? What's your take on that? Also, if you were to partake, the fact that there's going to be, yes, they are, there's going to be, ex expect that there will be some disappointment or that there might be some, uh, a reaction from us that uh, we're, we're not happy, but... Safety comes first, and so call home, ask for help. Don't drive with somebody who's impaired. Uh, but also, it's okay if you don't. It's okay in, in, to, to say, you know what, well, it's just not my thing. And, and, and drive that point home. And, and, and just the fact giving permission for them to discuss it with us. For them to say, all right, yeah, my mom and dad may not be happy, but at least I can talk to them about it and we can have a dialogue and a back and forth. And I feel that if we do enough of that throughout this really special age, the teenage years, that we could come out of this as friends at, at, when it's all said and done, when they turn into an adult. And, and then after that, then we, then we can work on a different part of our relationship where it's going to morph from child to parent, but more of a loving family that can always converse and discuss, and you look forward to seeing them. Now, you would think, well, this is all theoretical, Hugo. To me, it's not. I have had the luck, the, the, the luck to have stumbled across some fantastic people that are many, that are several years my senior. And, and I have seen this one particular family that I'm thinking of who were like this with their kids and who enjoyed the teenage years uh, so much that it was sad that when the kids eventually moved out and they went to other states for college and whatnot, that the little band that I saw growing up together um, kind of broke apart. But now that those kids are a little bit older and they themselves are starting to have their own kids that I get to see their adventures on, on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever that, that, that they're still very much a unit and they still get together and they still have a blast and, and, and they truly genuinely like one another. And that was basically, and, and I'm not saying that they didn't have drama. 
the person that I'm thinking of, I used to work with her. And so sometimes she would tell me about, oh, there's some of the shit that, that's going on. But it was never sitcom or 9021-esque type of drama. Or, or it wasn't like other families who were shut off, like perhaps like my parents were, who always had these drag-out conflicts. No, they were able to discuss it and talk about things. And although, you know, shit happens in life, they were able to tackle it in a much more serene way. And I certainly want that from that. And so I know it's possible. My wife and I are trying to recreate that for ourselves. So anyways, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I, where was I going with all of this? My kid, my in-laws are coming in from out of town. Uh, they're from Alaska. We haven't seen them in about three to four years. And that's typically how often we get to check them out because it's very expensive to travel up there uh, either way. Anyways, they're coming down to visit us. And it's an extremely exciting time for all. They're coming in to check out some graduations, to spend some time here at home, and then they're going to take my youngest, and she's going to go up to Alaska with them for about three weeks to have an Alaskan experience. And also for me, it'll be an opportunity perhaps for my son and I to have a road trip on our own and go check some things out in Arizona or New Mexico. We haven't decided where we're going to go. And so there's a lot of things that are going to be happening here in the next few months. It's also nerve-wracking for me because, and, and, I, and I put the weight on this solely on myself. My wife may not feel it, or at least she doesn't say it, but I know that I'm feeling this. You see, we bought this place from my in-laws a long time ago, about 14 years ago. And back then, like I said before, that we, there was no drought. When I first met my wife and she was living here at this home, uh, California wasn't facing the drought. And so we have about a quarter of an acre, I've said, and there was so much grass, so much lushness here. It was wonderful. Over the last few years, though, um, we just haven't kept up with that. And so there, we've, we've moved from grass to barren to now trying to replace ourselves a lot of drought-resistant type of uh, plant and trying to create a yard space that is not so much dependent on water. Also, our economy has been challenging. After 2008 and what happened in the real estate market, in um, job losses and kids and, and a lot of different things that, that, that go on, we haven't had necessarily the cash flow to make, maintain and, and, and keep up with all the projects that a larger house like we do and an older house like we do tends to have. And so there's some places where there should be a new cut of paint. We don't, we don't have it. Or uh, like I talked on the podcast a few m months ago with my wife, we had a bear come in and you know shred our door open. So now our garage door open. So now we have to get that replaced. And so there's all these little projects that are going on. And so for me, knowing that my in-laws are going to come down to visit their old house and to see the disrepair that it has, I feel like it's a commentary on me as the stay-at-home person. And this is going to sound sexist, sorry guys, but that I haven't done enough as a man to maintain this household. I know, it's stupid, but... I'm the one that 
takes care of 90% of what, you know, of the stuff that's around here. And if something is not right, then it falls on my shoulders. On top of that, I, I think the reason why I, I feel nervous and anxious about this visit is because my father-in-law is an extremely handy guy, really good with tools. He he's creates furniture, and he's a woodworker. He, he has like an engineering type of mind. He used to be a mechanic in the military and fixing planes that, you know, cost hundreds of millions of dollars or millions of dollars, I don't know. Um, he's, John Wayne is not the best way to describe him, but he's stoic. He's laconic. Doesn't say much. Uh, he's also way taller than I am. He's 6'3", 6'4", um, white guy. <laughs> he's imposing to me. He's the coolest guy. I, 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 he, I, I adore him. If he, if, you know, Dad, if you're, if you're listening to this, just say that you have always intimidated me um, because I know that in a lot of ways I am uh, not the manliest dude in the world. And I can handle my shit, but there's some things that I just... Let me give you an example of this one. And I think I've talked about this before on the pod, but so if I have, I apologize. But uh, some time ago, we, when my wife and I bought our first condo, this was many, many years ago, um, we bought our place and there, there was a fireplace, uh, not uh, wood burning, gas burning, who that for a long time, we could just not make work. It didn't work during the, ins during the inspection of the property. We figured we're never here at home, so we're not going to need a we're not going to need a fireplace. So if it doesn't work, who cares? And come wintertime in Southern California, it would be nice to have this thing going. So I would go in there and fiddle with it. It wouldn't work. Uh, my wife would say, you know, don't bother with it. It'll be fine. And it took them a long time, my in-laws, to come and visit our first place. But our first place. But eventually they did come down. And so we were giving them the grand tour. And they were kind of just checking it out and, you know, nodding and saying, oh, this is cool. This is cool. It's a nice purchase and whatnot. And congratulating us for the purchase and at one point we I made a joke about the fireplace and hey <laughs> this fucking thing hasn't worked but you know we don't need it because you know it doesn't ever really get cold here and what it's like oh, okay well let me take a look he he got down there and kid you not within 30 fucking seconds the thing was on and he just looks at me like you couldn't do that <laughs> and I I felt it now Hey, listen, that's not my forte. There's a lot of wonderful things that I am fucking brilliant on. That kind of stuff, I'm not. But I, you feel it. You know, it's like, uh, thanks, Dad, for, for knocking that out. Um, fucking sucks. So anyways, that's, I think, kind of what's going on through my head is the fact that he's going to come here and he's going to see things that he's built that I have not been able to maintain, that I am going to be asking questions about his, my own house, which used to be his house, that I should probably fucking know. And so I am in this rush lately to make, get the house ready, to make sure that it looks as good as possible, that we get it looking as pristine as can be. So they come here and they don't have to worry about us. And you know, 
it's funny to think about that because we're 40 fucking years old. We're 41 fucking years old. Both my wife and I are. And we're still worried about what my in-laws are going to think about our place. Even though they don't pay a bill here, even though there are guests, we just have that weight of, are they going to judge us as like, like if we were kids playing house? You know what I mean? So anyways, uh, oh, that's right. The, the whole fucking point of me talking to you about this. You know, it's, and this is how my mind is. Uh, one little thing leads for, to me for th- talking about 30 minutes about all this other nonsense. But this is what I really want to talk about. So I've been working on these projects around the house. And uh, this weekend I had to go to the Home Depot uh, to go get, you know, about 15, you know, uh, four by fours uh, for this fencing project that I'm working around the house. Um, and I have a smaller truck. Uh, I, I would love to have a much bigger one, but I have a smaller truck. And I loaded up all the 14 pieces of, you know, all the logs into the back of my truck, but it also had to go through a back window that I have in order to make it fit. The, 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 the bed on my truck is not that long. And I do have a bed extender, but it hasn't worked for a while, and I haven't fixed it. So I'm hoping that my father-in-law comes in, he can help me fix it. But anyways, I, so I don't have the bed extender to use it. So I, anyway, my whole point of that is that I had to use that back window, and I had to use up all the room within it in order to make the wood, the, the wood fit. Okay. That meant that on my drive, short drive home, uh... I did not have to to the view from my rear view mirror. It is disconcerting to start driving with, you know, a few hundred pounds of wood around your town uh, and needing to move and back up and have and understand the traffic going around you when you have one of your main points of reference uh, when you don't have access to it. And backing out of the stall and start moving forward uh, on my way back home, I realized something about how important a rear view mirror is, at least for me driving. It is paramount to my way to move move around. And it just, and it took three seconds. I adjusted very quickly. I moved slowly. I I made sure that I used the side mirrors as much as that I could. But... Not having access to being able to look back was such a key moment because it explained a lot about life for me and, and the reason why I do record these things is the fact that I am able to understand, process, and make decisions about the future because I am so very well and I have the ability to look back and recall so much of what, about what I lived in life. Having a mental rearview mirror is paramount to me. It, and to a certain degree, if this podcast has ever helped you, it has become important to you too because all of the shit, all of the struggle, all of the successes, all of the adventures, all of the humor, all of those things that I have the ability to process, restore, and report back to you, Having a mind that is able to do that 
And practicing that skill is so important. I, I think that if, if as you move through the world, as you start thinking about who you want to be, or, or if, you're, if you're making a life change, who you would like to become, that you never forget to look at your rearview mirror, mental rearview mirror, and think about where have I been, what have I experienced, what are my resources, how can they help me make better decisions for my future. If you lose that rearview mirror, you're in trouble, or you can get into trouble, and I wouldn't want that for any of you. So this was my 36 minute, 30 seconds, 7 seconds rant about look back fondly or as fondly as you can as your past self. Even if you've gone through some shit, some heavy shit, all of that has taught you something if you choose to learn the lesson from it. Don't sell yourself short and think that that person is no longer you. You are always that individual. But you can make choices. You can learn, you can, you can learn from your, your, your past mistakes and foibles. And also, you can also think about the times when you have stopped yourself from doing something because you were afraid. And think back of those times when you did that and how that lessened your life. And perhaps it'll give you the courage or at least give you enough knowledge about yourself in order for you to make, take leaps that you wouldn't have otherwise. Because that feeling of losing out can be detrimental. Peace.